0: We all live in the 21st century, mate. i got, as everybody says, I can stay with gay mates, you know, and it doesn't, it's not a conceit thing, but even the ones that I know, they say, well, I'm not bent out of shape, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you're not hanging around my bedroom, I can give a toss, what you do, you know, I'm going to live my life, I don't, a lot of them say I don't even believe in marriage at all, full stop. Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin.
1: I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. No, 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 no. It's on. No, wait. Is it on?
0: Uh, You bet you are. Uh, You bet I am.
1: I don't like it.
2: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate.
0: Well, may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General.
1: Hello and welcome to episode three of Is It On?, BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, coming to you from the corridors of power in Parliament House. I'm Alice Workman, sitting across from me, Mark DiStefano.
3: G'day, g'day, Alice Workman,
1: (laughs) in the corridor
3: of power. (laughs) We're in the cupboard of power.
1: We've got a huge show for you this week. Mark is chatting to the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia, Barnaby Joyce. We're also finding out which politician has turned vegan.
3: (laughs) What's vegan? What's the the vegan one? Okay, so
1: vegetarians... Yeah. stick to the vegetables you can't eat vegans, meat yep. but the vegans have no animal products so no dairy as well as just no so meat. no animal products no animal products uh, what, about, so what about
3: eggs they come from a chicken no eggs no eggs no eggs okay. no butter no milk why do you know so much about vegan
1: <laughs> my housemate is a vegan <laughs> my housemate went to a Morrissey concert and became a vegan <laughs>
3: Which is and like we have chickens in our backyard. That should be like on your Twitter bio. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a Morrissey concert and became a vegan.
1: All right, so we find out which politician has turned vegan and also chat about what's going on. What is going on with the Liberal leadership? Is it on? Is it we'll on? We'll find out with Samantha Maiden from Sky News. My favourite segment, Bin Juice, is back. It's the
3: people's favourite segment.
1: Mark, we're also mm-hmm. going to debut a new segment yep. called Gallery Whispers. Gallery Whispers. What's gallery?
3: This is very exciting. I'm excited for Gallery Whispers. But what we're going to do, estimates, there was so much that we could talk about. So much, Mark. But five. I'll give you five. Five things that came out of estimates. We do work at BuzzFeed. We do like lists. (laughs) Um, Fast five. Here's Alice's fast five. Fast five. Make it fast. What's the number one?
1: The Department of Finance grad (laughs) video. It's a $4,000 video they made that starts with this really delightful drone shot that is advertising to young people to come work for them. I literally have no words. You need to go online right now, pause the podcast, go online and look at it, but we'll play a bit and then come back and we'll talk about it.
4: I'm so stoked for our presentation to the executive this afternoon. It's been a massive challenge, but definitely looking forward to it.
2: Hey, guys, I'm just heading downstairs for my paleo pear and banana bread. Would you like to join me? (laughs) No, thanks. It's a little bit fancy for me.
1: I'm actually off to an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Stuff Network meeting. Okay, then
3: see you.
0: Hey, buddy. Sorry, I gotta do that every time. It's because we're in the
3: buddy program. What was the thing that really got you, Alice, about this video? So,
1: it, we found out in estimates the line about the paleo parent banana bread was improvised because the script was written by old people and the hip young, like they wanted to attract these hip young people who have the paleo right. bread. And like to call each other buddy. <laughs> but I actually went down to the Department of Finance of course you did. to investigate the paleo bread. Mark, they don't sell any paleo pair <laughs> of banana bread, but they do have a paleo breakfast that'll set you back 17 bucks. But, Mark, the most upsetting thing when I went in the cafe, you re- they were you playing really, that you... song, Bad Day, you know, but you've had a bad day.
3: <laughs> you really took your job. Far and beyond this week. You've got number two on the fast five. What's number two?
1: Now, Mark, when do you think a salad is a salad? I don't. I and don't. when is the salad not a salad? I've
3: not, not thought about it.
1: You've not thought about what. What is it? Is 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 a potato salad a salad?
3: Sure, it's a salad. It, it, it's in the name.
1: Is a warm Thai beef salad a salad?
3: Yep, also in the name of, of the <laughs> of the salad. So I'm guessing it is a salad. Why the hell are politicians talking about this?
1: Well, because the tax office is trying to decide for tax purposes what is classified as a salad or not a salad. You're kidding. me. So they're going to create industry guidelines on what is a salad.
3: I want to die.
1: What do you, What do you think is a salad?
3: Um, something that's got lettuce in it that's cold and you know it's got to be um, healthy you know what's not are all, are all salads healthy no no of course you go not. to those you go to those you places you have that a
1: chicken they... salad that's not healthy
3: yeah I guess yeah that's very true
1: but um, things that probably aren't salad rice
3: is that what the ATO said
1: well they're trying to decide can I ask if fresh salads are subject to the goods and services tax
0: we're going down the birthday cake path <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, Senator, uh, it would depend on what the salad is. Some people may define a salad as a bowl of lettuce. Some may define it as a barbecue chicken shredded up with three grains of rice on it. Uh, I'm not trying to be facetious either. There's a range of products that are very, very different that are marketed as salads. OK, number, <laughs> number three on the Fast Five.
1: <laughs> number three on the Fast Five is one of our favourite uh industries that we love talking about, the Australian Border Force.
3: Oh, yes.
1: Now, there is a TV Don't hack show... Don't my phone, Border Force. <laughs> there is a TV show in Australia called Border Security. Yes, I know where, it well. Uh, Whenever, this is a tip to anyone travelling in or out of Australia, never uh, sign a waiver form at an airport or you'll end up on border on, security. On Channel 7. And, you know, they'll be like, this person, did they smuggle in the whale meat from Japan? No, they did not. Um,
3: <laughs> Do you like this show? <laughs> it sounds like you've watched it a few times.
1: It's one of my friend's favourite show, Really? Because she actually was smuggling in whale meat from Japan and saw them filming at the airport and got really worried that they'd ping her. Anyway, so the head of the Australian Border Force said that Border security, the reality show, is, quote, the best public relations the agency has ever had, and, Mark, it's free.
3: (laughs) Do you know what they say about uh, public relations for government, though? It's propaganda. Let's be real. (laughs) Like, Channel 7 is airing Australia's border force propaganda. Do you know
1: what year they started airing it? What? 2004.
3: Okay, so number four. On Number the estimates four fast on five.
1: the Fast Five is a little slip of the tongue from a Liberal chair of a committee. Uh, David Fawcett, who is a Liberal senator, called asylum seekers flees Yuck. during estimates. They were talking about um, boats coming to Australia. And he was saying that it was... He was trying to blame the Labor Party for having bad policy in immigration. And he said... Um, It's ironic that they were nitpicking when they brought the fleas here in the first place. Mm, Now, obviously, the fleas in that sentence is asylum seekers or boats. It's one of these things, right? He apologised later and claimed that he'd been misinterpreted and that he was really trying to sledge the Labor Party. Either way, here's a tip. Maybe don't call people fleas. Yeah,
3: don't call people fleas. There's a take-home from this podcast this week. And number five on the Fast Five of Estimates.
1: Number five is... One of the topics that upsets me the most is it? higher education.
3: I've, n- I've never heard you talk about <laughs> higher education before Alice Workman.
1: Malcolm Turnbull came into office in September 2015 and since September 2015, we're coming up to a year and a half. They've never had a higher education policy. That's, so they've that's never amazing. They, they didn't take one to the election. All they've done is they've had a, they've got a discussion paper out at the moment where they're asking people what they think they should do um, and they're going to release something in May. But what is more important is that we know that the government... they've Malcolm Turnbull's confirmed they're going to partially deregulate university fees. We know that. We know that for a fact okay. because they've said they're going to keep the $152 million cut to the sector and how are they going to make up for that? It's by, fun, it's by giving less funding to HEX and to HELP payments, right? And
3: that came up in Estimates this week. And
1: so, But this week in Estimates, they admitted that, um, that the cut is still going to happen in May when the budget comes out. But they also admitted, do you know I love modelling...
3: You love modelling. That they
1: have secret modelling that says how much fees are going to cost when they deregulate unis, Biz. but they're not going to tell you because it's commercial confidence.
3: It's probably bad if they're not going to tell you. And
1: you know my theory, it's always bad if they're not going to tell you. So how much a degree is going to cost? The Labour Party said $100,000. Hmm, maybe it's $90,000.
3: Maybe it's less. Who knows? Who knows? This week is our very special interview with the Deputy Prime Minister of this nation. I'm so excited that the first three interviews have been big dogs in the house.
1: Well, this man is literally known for his hatred of dogs.
3: That's true. So I
1: hope you... Did you bring the dogs up? No, I,
3: I, I, I did actually... I did bring up the dogs in my, as my last question, but I was so worried. I I'm actually a little bit intimidated by Barnaby Joyce and his media advisor did say the first thing, would you, would you like some dried mango? And it was actually cut the ice of the of the whole interview. It was really nice. All right,
1: here is Australia's Deputy Prime Minister, the leader of the National Party, Barnaby Joyce.
3: Deputy Prime Minister Joyce, thank you so much for
0: joining us on the podcast. Is it on? You're welcome. Thanks for having me on your show.
3: Yeah, I would love to start with the fact that you've got this new push. Um, you're calling it decentralisation. as a new website. It's about getting young people out to the bush.
0: Is that yeah, right? Well, it's like getting everyone out to the bush. It's just that... Um, we've believed that there's, there's this vision that many people have that you're only alive in its fullest sense if you're living in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. I think that's wrong. And I get really, you get my nose really out of joint when people start saying, oh, how could I possibly live in Tamworth or Armidale? I was like, Mate, what, live in a place where you can actually afford to buy a house, where you could travel to work in five minutes, um, where on the weekends you can go to any national park you want, where, where within a couple of hours you can get to the coast and... Some of these areas where um, you've got the opportunity of a number of schools where um, in some of these areas, you know, there are art galleries, there's restaurants, there's everything else that you expect. It's just that you're going to do it and keep a lot more of your own money in your own pocket. And unless you sort of open your mind to these issues, you're, you're really limiting it. You know, when I'm overseas... And, for instance, I was in Berlin about a month ago and we're talking about Sydney and they go, oh, God, who'd want to live there? It's just so far away, you know. it's oh, well, the So far away from Europe. Yeah, so, yeah, of, yeah, so you know, how could you exist? And I think, well, it's, it's kind of a narrow view of the world. Far away from what? And then when I get to Sydney and they say, well, how could you live in Tamworth that's so far away? I so, said, what, four and a half hours up the road? I mean, <laughs> give me a break.
3: <laughs> um, one of the things that I'm sure a lot of young people would say who do live in Sydney and Melbourne who might want to go to areas like Tamworth would say that things like... Uh, services, especially, you know, digital services, the internet infrastructure might not be there.
0: First city to get the NBN was Armada. So, you know, that, that dispenses that. I heard someone the other day say, oh, I had to go to McDonald's to get on the internet. What a load of rubbish, you know. You get it anyway. You get, you, get you get Wi-Fi free in the mall, you know. So, but the it,
3: Pesticides Authority have been in estimates yep. this week and, and, and they're saying that they've had to... Gerrymandered their way, also, had to get get onto the internet using McDonald's. Well, that's fire.
0: garbage. I mean, it's just garbage. We actually wrote to them and said, Look, you're happy to use our office if, if you want. We've got the uni, there's a university there, one of the oldest universities in Australia, University of New England, that, mum, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on the internet. I'm pretty sure.
3: One of the problems um, out in the regions at the moment is just really, really bad wage growth, you know, and, and it's even in, it's around Australia, it's 1.9%. It's yeah. not keeping uh, with CPI okay, but, at the moment. But, so, are you, concern for at, attracting young people out when their wages aren't going to keep abreast with inflation? Is, well, that, that, is two, that a concern? There's two
0: things, the chicken and the egg. OK, let's say that's a problem. Well, aren't I doing the right thing by trying to move uh, jobs that are higher paid into regional areas to try and assist that wage growth? Isn't that the thing you're supposed to do? The next thing I would say is you actually get an accelerator on that because not only are you going to get the same wage that, that, you'd, have to, that you'd get in, a, in the area with much higher costs... You're getting the same wage in an area with lower costs. So when you're paying off your house, a lot more, you're going to have a lot better capacity to pay off the things you want and have money left over to go for your holiday, to go surfing in Bali if you want. And then the
3: penalty rates decision comes along. And I think that that's what so many people, maybe you roll your eyes.
0: No, well, see, the reason, well, the penalty rate issue, let me give you one example of this big motel owner, he owns a number of motels says, so, mate, this is how it works for us. For me, I've got 160 cleaners. Like I said, they're on an enterprise bargaining agreement, so it makes no difference to them. But the motel down the road, and let's call it the, you know, the Happy Sunset Motel, that's got Mrs Smith who cleans the ro- rooms. She's married to Mr. Smith and they own the motel. She can't afford staff on Sunday. So she does it herself. Once this goes through, she'll employ someone to do it and she'll you know, have a day off. So I think that that sort of... You know, that, in, in essence, it's not a case of you're going to get less. For a lot of people, they're going to get nothing now. They're going to get a job. Um, it's not a case that you're going to be paid the same as you would on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You'll get paid more. And for most people, and I've got, you know, four daughters, and they all do casual work. They say, do well, they work
3: in hospitality and no, retail? They, or they
0: work in retail. They work in uh, shops. They work in coffee shops, and they pack eggs. So they
3: didn't turn around to you and say, hey, Dad... We just lost seventy bucks a week. No, what what's they, with that?
0: Like, no, they, what they turn around and say they basically, they just like they like to make a buck, and they want they want work, and uh, and I they don't like sitting in front of the telly. They want, as soon as they got a spare moment, they they want to get out there and put something in the skyrocket so they can go out on Saturday
3: night. I was told that on Monday you took some you bought some Subway sandwiches for, for the national party. Room is that what no, happened?
0: Now George Christensen bought some
3: subway. So that's stuff. the final. That was his final actors as Whip, was to was the to last get su- some The Last logs. Supper. The Last Supper was at last, last
0: supper. The Last Supper. And uh, you know George has a figure that reminds you of Subway. So <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, can I ask? Um, can I ask also? Uh, there's been a lot of chat about now the LNP in Queensland yeah. splitting away. Um, and and and. You know, you obviously do have a very strong team here in Canberra. Yeah. The Nationals are actually really united. Yeah,
0: we're a good, we're a good. But team. what about in Queensland? Well, look, I I was looking at some of the articles in the paper, and they you know, there was a poll that was done in Dawson. Dawson's the seat where George Christensen is. It's right up around Mackay. The further north you go in Queensland, the you know, the more parochial and crazy they get. And that's part of Australia. It's a wonderful place to go. And they did a poll, and uh, I, I think it's, uh, it, it was a left wing poll. It was the Institute or something. I think
3: it was the Central, was it? No,
0: it was. Reached out. Anyway, but they just said, would you vote for the LNP or would you vote for somebody else or One Nation, right? They didn't say, would you vote for George Christensen, who sits with the National Party in Canberra, because that would have got an entirely different result. So a lot of these polls are how you ask the question, as you well know. So
3: do you, has there been chatter? Has there been chatter that you know that they're, they're thinking about sort of demerging? No, I like? just
0: think it's clear that I identify out there as... Representing the National Party in Canberra, it's it's a combination of the National Party and the Liberal Party. Uh, people understand the National Party just we don't stand in every seat. And that's where I always get the poos when people say, "Oh, you know, one notion polls higher than you." Yeah, because they stand in every seat. We just stand in we stand in a range of seats, which the majority of which we win. Um,
3: so you're not freaking out by this sort of Pauline Hanson bubble that sort of formed no, over the last 18 no, months.
0: No, I've, she's look, not.
3: She's not a spectre on the horizon oh, that's threatening you.
0: Mate, I. I've, been in this game a little while now and you just say to people you got to think of it logically running the country is like running a business like running you've got to say if you vote for these people what job do you want them to do so do you want her to be your treasurer or would you like her to be your finance minister or maybe the prime minister maybe the minister for agriculture because oh no I don't think they don't even want any of that so yeah well
3: they wanted to be a shit
0: stirrer yeah, right? well yeah do you want to and we, and we can all be a shit stirrer. If we you, want to you
3: started your career uh, did very, in this place, did a very good crossing job the it. floor did a very on, good job. on big things. I remember doing a university assignment about yeah. about the your crossing the floor on Telstra. Yeah. is actually well, what you became known for.
0: Well, you can all do it. But in the end, you've got to, you know, like everything, you've got to get yourself in a position where you have effect and actually make changes. If i you know, what is my role in serving the people who are listening to this? My role, if I'm earnest about it, is to get myself close enough to the people who are making the decision that I can actually make the changes that make their life different. When you, when you actually get into government, you think, well, I actually got to change. I won't be able to give you everything you want, but I'll, let me pitch for a few of the things you want. I've got to get myself into a position where I can do that. I've got to take the fight up on your behalf. I've got to be abused or whatever, suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune fighting for your issue. And i also got to be honest with you and get back and say, mate, I'm not going to get you everything you want. If you want me to get you every, every present on the Christmas tree, forget it. Pick the ones you want, I'll fight for them because in this game, it's give and take.
3: So you did have this comment earlier this year about um, a George Street and Oxford Street issue when it came to gay marriage. Yeah, yeah. What did you mean by that?
0: I just, look at the start, I just, you know, it's, this is politics. Um, I just think that you've got to concentrate on the issues that I find are most uh, prescient in the discussions I have. For me, the biggest issue was the price of power. My National party electorates are the poorest electorates. Okay? So they are concentrating on things very closely associated with their wallet. And they, there is a sense of frustration they have. They say, mate, you get down there, and it might be important, but it seems to be vastly more important for you than it is for us. You get me a cheaper power price, and I keep more money and I'm going to like you a lot more. If you go down there, and I just sort of generalise it, if you get down there and get sort of vastly involved in philosophical debates with the fourth estate, the media and all that, and I listen to it, and I say, I heard this debate before, in fact, I listened to it for about a year last year, you come back and you're talking about it again, I'm going to ask the question, mate, when are you going to start talking about me? So my thing at the start was, let's really focus on what these people want
3: isn't there, but also, just on that though, isn't there also a gay electorate, people in, the, in,
0: in national are. electorates that really mate, do care a lot about this sort of mate, stuff? I've got, I don't have to go to my electorate, so I can go around my staff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not... This and, is, and they
3: must care about it a
0: lot. So, no, and it's that, it's actually, the whole thing actually, no, I'll, I'll tell you... Your, no. comment,
3: your comment comes out as like, oh, you know, George, this is very Barnaby Joyce, right? George Street and Oxford now, Street Now, well, one thing I get is,
0: is, like, and I... It. it we all live in the 21st century, mate. As everybody says, I can stay with gay mates, you know? And it doesn't... It's not a conceit thing. But even the ones do I know, they say, well, I'm not bent out of shape. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> you're not hanging around my bedroom. I can give a toss. What you do? Now, I'm going to live my life. I don't, a lot of them say I don't even believe in marriage at all. Full stop.
3: So shouldn't they just get off the table? You know, it's the kind of thing... Yeah, well, that, they, well
0: and, and the thing that I sort of use as a pejorative is... Um, and this, is, and this will get a run, is when I'm talking to my gay mates, I generally find two blokes who are on very good incomes, very good incomes, very good jobs, living a pretty cruisy lifestyle, good luck and God bless them, right? Um, but uh, I've, my, right at the top of my priorities is the person living in a shed uh, who's, who's doing it tough. My, I, when I think about my people, and I say my people, I think about the dumpy little town that doesn't have a school, that doesn't have a police station, that doesn't have a hospital, but people live there, and my role in politics is to make sure that their life is better. And that's right at the top of my list. Final question. I'm sure you've got so much of our US audience,
3: it only knows you, as the guy who, who got Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. What's the latest? I don't, I don't think Amber likes Johnny anymore. <laughs> And no, I didn't like Johnny at the start. Well, I think Johnny came out to be a bit of a creep in here. Yeah, end. well, it was. And
0: it wasn't, didn't people just bag the absolute crap out of me at the start? And, and I you turned into the hero. I think I got him right and everyone else got him wrong.
1: I don't know about you, Mark, but I really think we should have killed those dogs. It's
3: because you're, you're a heartless person. Pierce on boo, they're beautiful dogs. It's
1: because I care about biosecurity obviously more than you do.
3: Barnaby Joyce <laughs> and Alice Workman on a Unity, Unity ticket. ticket. <laughs> I'm killing the dogs.
1: Okay, Mark, well a few people have been tweeting us asking about what are the tidbits, what are the bits of gossip that yeah. are floating around the corridors that, you know, we obviously tell each other but we may not repeat on a Podcast where people can sue us, but uh, <laughs> we thought we'd, we'd have a go. Uh, we'd have a go, and uh, this is our new segment uh, called
2: <laughs> Gallery Whispers. Gallery Whispers. Mark, what's the first whisper you've heard? <laughs> the first whisper that I have heard is that Matthias Corman and Peter Dutton are now working out and going walking together. And I know this to be true, because I nearly hit Peter Dutton and Matthias Corman in my car. Does that mean that it's on? I don't know if it's on, but Peter Dutton wears a weird hat when he walks, and he gets very sweaty. And Matthias Corman wears oversized polo shirts. Gallery whispers. Maybe they need some. (laughs) Gallery whispers. Gallery whispers. Alice, what's your gallery whispers this week? I heard that Green's MP... For Melbourne, Adam Bent <laughs> flew to Canberra first class. First class. Even though oh my the God. Greens said they only fly <gasps> in economy. Oh, my. gallery Money whispers. he may have been upgraded. <laughs> gallery whispers. I don't have any more gossip. <laughs> Alice, what's your other bit of gossip? Mark, I've heard that Nationals Minister Darren Chester, who is the infrastructure minister, has been really grumpy this week because he's been told he's getting dumped from cabinet when they do a reshuffle. That's actually a really good story. <laughs> Why haven't you reported this story? <laughs> I wrote about it last year. Darren Chester Gallery Whispers might actually be getting dumped. Gallery Whispers. Gallery Whispers.
1: <laughs> so if you have any gossip,
3: well, that was interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Feedback about our whispering, uh, please uh, slide into our DMs on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah,
3: if you have any um, gallery Actual whispers, gossip. if you have any gallery whispers or gossip around the Parliament House, please let us know. We love gossip. That's the thing that we love more than anything, and we'll probably whisper it out into our podcast.
1: <laughs> Speaking of gossip, I think that famous Mean Girls quote, "That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets," <laughs> could be used about our next guest. It is none other than the former political editor of News Corp Sunday Papers, now lighting up our screens on Sky News, Samantha Maiden. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, Sam, what's the best bit of political gossip you've heard this week?
4: Well, hopefully nothing that would be broadcastable on your (laughs) program. It would be too completely (laughs) filthy and libelous. But I was thrilled to learn that Steve Chobo uh, has gone vegan uh, I, I believe that there may be some sort of occasional dairy or fish involved. And what do you, What's your, the term, the slur that you use to describe such folk, Alice? Well, the official term is pescatarian, but I like to call them fish and chippocrites. Fish and chippocrites, that's right. So Chobo is either a fish and chippocrit or he's a vegan on the Gold Coast,
3: Steve Chobo, the trade minister. The Is a conflict
1: minister? of interest for a trade minister? Well, I to would not have thought meat? it's
4: not what you expect in the land of the the gold bikini meter maid, isn't it? <laughs> to have a a conservative MP who's like getting down on the Beyonce Jay Z kind of vegan.
1: Well, the most famous person on the Gold Coast would be uh, Kurt Coleman, Instagram star and he's he's famed for eating
4: he's McDonald's cheeseburgers. F- oh, okay. I thought you're going to say he's fully vegan like banana girl. Oh no, girl. no, no. Remember no, banana that's more girl? Byron. <laughs> Remember banana girl and all she this, ate was bananas? Do you mean the ad
1: banana no, 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 there was banana. like there's
4: this woman and she was on like Instagram or Snapchat or one of those things that the young folk are into and she all she did all day was eat like about a kilo, a tray of bananas. <laughs> And it was giving her these incredible abs. She was a social media sensation. You she should be on this. That Alice. doesn't sound real. Stephen Smith, the former defence minister, used to have a very strong view that you shouldn't eat bananas after two pm. <laughs> Why what was that? born out it of? It was a carb situation. It was a paleo scenario. That's all. <laughs> I could be, you know, imagining this. And this,
3: and know. now, and now, Peter Dutton, our next prime minister, has been out walking, trying to lose some weight with Matthias. Mm.
4: Well, anyway, look, I thought this was a really good story. This is one of these stories that some people kind of, I don't know, they don't like or they say it's rubbish or whatever. But it is an interesting story because there is this kind of emerging view that Peter Dutton is the heir apparent. Now, from the outside, you might say, well, how does that make sense? Because surely the treasurer, Scott Morrison, is the next cab off the rank. But internally within the Liberal Party, there's all this angst, as you'd be aware, uh, about Scott Morrison... The role that he played in Tony Abbott losing the job, this idea that he was not loyal, that he you know, was trying to play both sides of the street, that he was sort of in league with Malcolm Turnbull but was trying to claim that he was somehow Switzerland and any conservative that you will talk to will say that Tony Abbott and all of them trust Scott Morrison as far as they could pick him up and throw him and he's not... He's not a banana girl size. <laughs> like he's a he's a normal size. So he, you know, it'd be you, hard you, you to. You it'd be, it'd be not be easy to pick up Scott Morrison and throw him. I think I could probably lift him fireman style, <laughs> but you know, he's quite. Tolerant. I could I could lift just about anyone fireman style. <laughs> but I can. You,
3: you called Scott Morrison a snake. He's the snake. I that.
4: didn't call him a snake. I said Who, other people say that. Other people I call him possibly say something. It's
3: like so that. it's so strange because this is the guy that stopped the boats got moved into Treasury because he was the most effective communicator amongst yeah. the Liberals. And now he is the, the betrayer or the snake yeah, amongst well, he the Liberal done
4: Party. the because they don't like the way he behaved in that leadership. I think it's really interesting as well because, you know, whatever you want to say about their policies on asylum seekers, and obviously lots of people have lots of views on them and why they don't believe that, you know, they should be in place. If you want to just you know keep it to the core objective of the boat stopping right he did that like he achieved something pretty incredible right and he held the line and he had the policies and it didn't happen by accident you know like they, they really went about it in a really structured way and we went from you know you can make a legitimate argument i think that the numbers did actually start to decline uh, during the dying days mm. of the Rudd government because they introduced, you know, Manus Island. Like, I think that you can mount a legitimate argument that it actually started declining back then. But but the real... It it powered on mm. and powered through under Scott Morrison.
1: Yeah, it, if people can't remember, it went from being
4: every news bulletin, every morning was a new boat to mm. being yeah. nothing. So you can have all sorts of complaints about the the ethics of the policy... Uh, you know, what? how Australia is actually responding to its human rights obligations. You can have all those arguments in the world. But if the, the KPI is stopping the boats, he did stop the boats. Mm. And then Peter Dutton, you know, by contrast, well, he's had what pol- portfolios has he had in government. He's had the health portfolio. I don't think that he really did anything other than that help, uh, health portfolio other than have a, a sort of two-year fight over the GP tax that went nowhere and they never introduced... The gp tax so i don't think that was necessarily the perfect fit for him in terms of a portfolio he's gone to immigration which has been you know um, i think a much better fit for his skill set but you know i mean the, the heavy lifting you'd have to say really was done by scott morrison mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden he's leapfrogged over Matt, uh, scott morrison as the heir apparent he's incredibly tight with Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull now, you know, always seeks the counsel of Matthias Cormann and and Peter Dutton above all others, despite the fact that Malcolm Turnbull and Peter Dutton used to be completely at loggerheads before the leadership change over citizenship issues and they had huge brawls in Cabinet and there was always this view that it was kind of like the lawyers versus the coppers, you know, inside Cabinet. Mm. And now Malcolm Turnbull is kind of you know, brought Matthias Cormann and Peter Dutton so close that they've now become the people that you would only know that something was going to happen with Malcolm Turnbull if they moved because his entire prime ministership is now really about the fact that conservatives like Peter Dutton and Matthias Cormann have said, look, you know, we might not have supported the leadership change, we might not have always liked everything that Malcolm Turnbull does but now we're in it for the long haul and we're a team, we can't change leaders again because we'll look like a joke. So, you know, they... Basically, Peter Dutton and Matthias Corman completely controlling the play, right? Mm. Because if they moved away from Malcolm Turnbull, something would happen. But while they won't move, and while they have essentially, you know, Matthias Corman, you know, people, you know, maybe obviously this is something for people that are really kind of into it and paying attention, but the idea of Matthias Corman, the numbers man for Tony Abbott, complete loyalist, coming out on Sky News that Friday and just dropping a bucket on Abbott, I mean, that was kind of like a little political earthquake, you know, because that was the Conservatives saying, we're locking in behind Malcolm Turnbull. But the other thing about all of that is obviously Malcolm Turnbull owes them. So Malcolm Turnbull now owes them and he has to listen to them.
1: For anyone listening at home that thinks there's a fire alarm going off, no, it's the bells ringing of Parliament House. They will probably continue and then they'll stop. So... We will power yeah, we're on. Moving towards towards them. We're moving through a division. Every minute now we're going to lock the doors. <laughs> um, but so, Sam, how would you explain what Tony Abbott is doing if people that used to support him are so vehemently against him now? Is it subtle undermining not on his own behalf but to help Dutton out or is it just completely rogue backbencher, you know, deprivation
4: yeah. syndrome? Look, I could be a little naive on that. I don't think it's coordinated in terms of helping Peter Dutton, but I do think that certainly Peter Dutton is the only alternative that Tony Abbott would, you know, agree to. I mean, Tony Abbott clearly still likes Peter Dutton and would, I think, support a leadership change that went to Dutton.
3: Do you do you see on the horizon an issue that is going to um, be the um, the excuse for all the leadership thing to revolve around?
4: Not necessarily. I mean, I don't think it's... Look, even though it's all very interesting and people talk about it because the polls the poll results at the moment are so completely catastrophic and i know that there are some people like critics of turnbull who will say well and i've had these conversations with them where i've said well why would you junk a prime minister this far out from election what would be the purpose of that they then have to own all the problematic polls and stuff up so whatever and the answer you get back is well because malcolm's just a dud he's you know, you can't rebuild it. He's Humpty Dumpty, he's fallen off the wall and you can't get the yolk back into the egg. So you might as well <laughs> get a new Humpty Dumpty or something. But I, I don't think that's really realistic. You know, I think that if you, you know, you might as well just run him through to the election. You never know what's going to happen in politics. There might be some miracle by which he sort of recovers. But I don't really see the logic, I mean, of pulling him out before an election. I mean, I think that you'd run him to it and let him... The consequences of it, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I but don't... if
3: they're going to, you know, this was the whole thing with Labor as well. They needed to save some of the furniture. They had.
4: But how just... is Peter Dutton going to save the furniture? I mean, Peter. Maybe Dutton... in Queensland, he saves yeah, some sure. couple of but seats. Yeah, sure. But then I suppose you've also got to look at the swings and roundabouts. Is what is, and I don't know the answer to this question. But what is the view of the doctors' wives about Peter Dutton? You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't care. I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that. I mean, I just would have thought that if you run Peter Dutton to the next election, the view of a lot of voters is, oh, man, we're really down to, you know... Another Peter one. Dutton. The, the <laughs> F team. Yeah, what's going on here? We've had this guy and that guy and that guy, and now we're on to the, you know... Actually, like... Whoever's him. left on the train, you know. Like, I don't think you'd really go... Are you really going to go, oh, well, we could have Malcolm Turnbull, you know, man who's been part of the fabric of Australian public life for 25 years, you know, or we could have this... Peter Dutton, dude. I mean, he looks I like mean, a potato. Look, he does not look like a potato. That is very unkind. But I mean, I actually think Peter Dutton like could be a really good opposition leader, because I actually think a lot of the time he has quite good political instincts, mm. and he's really good at all that kind of everyday knock about Ray Hadley. You know, well, I mean, why would you? It's just why would you do that? I mean, it common sense, you know, or whatever, like all that stuff where he goes out on Ray Hadley's today and he's going. He's going, well, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, why would you be giving a job at McDonald's to a foreign worker when he's a nice, good old Aussie kid ready to go, ready to flip a burger? Why would you be getting some foreigner to do that when you get an Australian? You beaut, Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. You wouldn't even know how to put a pineapple on a burger. Not even bloody Australian, right? Like, I think he's quite good at all that stuff. Your style. impression of <laughs> Peter is so good. It's bad. No, it's, it's really great. good. I think there'd be... An army of blokes out there that watched Julie Gillard be prime minister and just wanted to just throw a you know their beer bottle at the television screen, right? Because you know there was that visceral hatred of Julie Gillard.
1: Absolutely, there was this absolute mm. thing in some Sex, it was, and it I, was I think Queensland rooted. was a real problem, yeah.
4: right? Where. And part of it was the way she'd gotten it, right, that, you know, she turns up in her bloody fancy jackets and then she's whacked Kevin. What did Kevin ever do to... Just trying to help her. Yeah, ambitious bitch, Kevin was from know, Queensland like, and he was just there to help. But, you know, like, those blokes, right, that just this army, this silent army of furious men that this bird was, you know, mm. strutting around, who does she think she is, huh? Right, like... You know it's true, right? <laughs> you when quickly... when they got a bit of Peter Dutton, right, going on Ray Hadley saying oh, we're going to get the Aussie kids down at McDonald's, those guys would be like, yes, <laughs> the natural order of the world has been restored, right? Yes. We got a Queensland copper cop on the beat.
3: I think that that's my, you know, when I think a lot of people see Peter Dutton, they have a physical reaction as much as they have a. You're
4: being so Poor middle-aged man from Queensland. Well, I think that do you think he, he looks. What do you think, I think he looks he's like? Got like got a, a, he's got he's got movie. strange lips as well. Oh my well. god! Very I'm glad you're not discussing my bloody face and body. You're so
2: this is this
3: very is obje- body shaming. <laughs> very, you're, very bad
2: body, body shaming. What's, Peter what's he
4: like when you go out to dinner with him? Oh, he's just the same as he is with the boom mics and stuff. Like he's <laughs> just got a very dry sense of humour.
1: He's not, a he's cop. Not, he's he's not, a cop. He's
4: not a vegan, is he? No, of course he's not a bloody vegan.
1: He's a
2: cop.
3: He's, he's a, red, a red meat copper.
1: He's a copper.
4: And,
3: and people In a good
4: way. Has not, it, what one? was his biggest solve as a cop? Oh, he was in the drug squad. He was in the drug squad. Can you imagine? Peter Dutton, cop on the board. Oi, you've got 60 kilos of cocaine. <laughs> You're bastards. So, so, Sam,
3: <laughs> so, as we'd like to ask a lot of our guests who come on this show, I'll let Alice do the honours.
1: So, our question is, is it? Is it not? It's always on. It's always on. It's not on.
4: necessarily on right now. It's on a little bit. <laughs> it's on a little, little bit.
1: Samantha Maiden, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs>
3: Oh my god, Peter Dutton impression. That was that was incredible.
1: Wow. Wow.
3: <laughs> Sam Maiden should win an Oscar.
1: Are you really sure that on Monday, Mark, they when they said Moonlight, they really meant Sam Maiden's Peter Dutton impression. <laughs>
3: They picked the wrong <laughs> On the envelope. Card. It was the wrong envelope.
1: Peter Dutton Impression. Sam Maiden. <laughs>
3: um, we're now moving into the final bit of our podcast. And the segment that everyone loves is Bin Juice. Bin it's Juice. the thing that is at the bottom of the bin that's been chucked there that we really need to take back up and have a bit of a look at it and remind everyone that it happened. Alice, what is your Bin Juice this week?
1: Okay, my Bin Juice is about work choices. Mm-hmm. Um, the architect of the work choices is a man called Dr. Peter. Dr.
3: Peter Hendy.
1: This week. Remember that man. (laughs) So Peter Hendy has been appointed Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's chief advisor on employment, participation, training and industrial relations in a move that the Labor Party Party are calling a return to work choices or work choices 2.0. And he
3: used to be an MP.
1: That's right. Peter Hendy worked for the Howard government and... He became an MP, but only lasted one term. He lost at the last election. So Malcolm Turnbull said, Hey, mate, mate. mate. How about a job for a mate? Yeah. How job, about you come? Jobs for the boys. How about you come and be my chief advisor? It's on a boy, economics? he needs a
3: job. Here's so a job for the boy.
1: He, he, was the, um, he was the chief economist, but now his job title has changed, and he's going to be in charge of uh, employment and industrial relations. And, Mark, some people in the coalition. Uh, saying, well, isn't this interesting? That the man behind Work Choices—that's the program that effectively scrapped unfair dismissal claims, A bit and controversial, and uh, outlawed striking across industries, and and forced people to not bargain collectively but bargain on their own—and
3: probably like led to John Howard's uh, uh, like electoral defeat.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, these Work Choices were only around for two years. They were scrapped when the Labor Party came in in two thousand and seven. That were so controversial. Anyway, some people think it's quite. Uh, Quite a bit interesting <laughs> that uh, he's been put in charge of industrial relations. Work choices 2.0. We cut the penalty rates, then we bring in the work choices.
3: Well, that's quite... We're putting the cart before the horse, maybe. It's a bit
1: spicy <laughs> content. Look, all I'm saying is, Mark, the budget is coming up.
3: And Peter, and, and Peter Hendy's in charge.
1: I legit don't know what the Turnbull government have planned.
3: I don't think the Turnbull <laughs> government know what they have planned yet, either.
1: Okay, Mark, what is in... What are you pulling out of the bin this week?
3: Yeah, I think that um, the issue that has a lot of people on the internet really frothing um, is TouchWatch. Hashtag Tudge Watch. Tudge watch. Human Services Minister Alan Tudge, um, he's seen as a bit of a rising star within the Liberal Party, um, has been thrown into the spotlight in the last couple of months because of the Centrelink debacle over the debt recovery system. And
1: Hashtag not my debt. Yeah,
3: that's what... Look, we're not endorsing a campaign on the internet, but it is the thing that people are Heaven getting... Heaven forbid, <laughs> after <laughs>
1: you ruined Taylor Swift's chance of getting a hottest well, 100 well, gong.
3: No one told me we'd be talking about... <laughs> Hashtag tape for what a hottest 100. But no, Alan Tudge um, this week has now been referred to the AFP by Labor's Linda Burney because it turns out... Now, see if you can go along with me on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it. There's a
3: blogger named Andy Fox and mm-hmm. she writes this piece for Fairfax basically saying that she's been terrorised by Centrelink over a wrongful debt. Okay, so that's Act 1. Act 2 then happens where a journalist for Fairfax then goes to um, the Department of Human Services and asks about this Andy Fox. The department turn around a day after getting the media request and hand over and leak all of the Centrelink welfare details of this blogger to a journalist because their defence, which we heard this week in Parliament by Alan Tudge, Well, their defence was that they needed to correct the record and they can't have, um, you know, misinformation out there because it was a threat to the integrity of the system. So what we've seen this week in Parliament and in estimates is the Department of Human Services defending the move and there was just this piece of audio that I just can't get over and it's Alan Tudge in Parliament defending the leaking of someone's personal details to the media. This is what he said. But in cases where
0: people have gone to the media with statements that are incorrect or misleading, which are printed or broadcast, we are able, under the Social, Sec- under the Social Services Act, to release information about the, per- information about the person for the purposes of, as I quote, correcting a mistake of fact, a misleading perception or impression, or a misleading statement in relation to a welfare recipient. That is what the law allows. It allows the correction for of false right? information which is being placed into the media. Correct. Now in relation to Andy Fox, there was false information which was placed into the media in a column which she herself penned. And so information was provided to correct the record in relation to
3: those allegations. I just cannot get over that they would do this.
1: Mark, it's crazy because not only did they give those documents to Fairfax, they actually then, when the Guardian inquired about whether or not mm. these documents had been linked, they sent them to the Guardian as well. That's so right. So they released them twice.
3: And that's right. It was actually, and this is like the 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 third or fourth chapter of this incredibly weird story is that they actually not only sent the the details that the journalists needed that they actually sent these official briefing documents that included um, this blogger's relationship history and all this sort of stuff. So when the Guardian came asking for some information, they then forwarded it all on to the Guardian. And I think it is incredibly worrying that we have departments having like essentially a dirt unit within the department who were compiling dossiers or compiling information on people out there who are critics of them and are willing to forward that information onto journalists it's a very very worrying time
1: doesn't smell right mark no does and does not pass the sniff of the pop <laughs> test or the pub
3: test I think that Taj Watch now starts up because I think that uh, there are a lot of people already calling for him to stand aside or to be sacked over this release of a blogger's details.
1: Well, that's all we've got time for this week on Is It On. I want to say a huge thank you to our producer, Nicholas Ray. Lane Sainty helped us out with the recording thank this you. week. And of course, Nicola Harvey and Marnie Cordell, the who queens. are our editors. Yes, and queens. the whole the whole pod team, Mark. All of all them. Of them. The Everyone. Whole, the whole pod team. Who's your favourite? Um... My favourite are the listeners on the pod team. No, there
3: wasn't an option.
1: The, the, okay, listeners, people listening, we love you. Yeah, we do. And we want to know what you guys want us to talk about. So please hit us up. I'm at WorkmanAlice on Twitter. Mark is at MarkDesteph that's right Just stiff to isn't just it to stiff I got it right With Not just E mate. Not come just on stiff? Mate. okay alright go to buzzfeed.com slash is it on or you can subscribe on iTunes or all these other podcasting apps I've never heard of leave us a review and a rating
3: overcast that's an app <laughs> I use overcast
1: great thanks <laughs> now the next episode is going to come out in two weeks which that's is the right. next sitting week that's right um, and I guess the last thing to do is just check is it on Mark
3: it's more on than last week
1: The light switch is half on. Maybe about half on. They're reaching for the light switch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for listening.